Welcome to This is Texas Wine, the podcast that gives you a deeper look into the Texas wine industry. I'm your host, Shelley Wilfong. This is episode number two. On today's episode, we've got news about how you can get involved in this year's Texas wine harvest, either for a day or maybe as a harvest intern. There's lots of other news, too. Then give me 10 minutes and I'll tell you what you need to know about Texas wine. Our education segment today takes a look at Verizon. And finally, I visited a new winery last week in the Hill Country, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Here's a clue. Its name is a Greek word that means exceeding abundantly, beyond what is expected, imagined, or hoped for. Here's your Texas wine news. Southhold Farm and Cellar is looking for a harvest intern. I saw it on Instagram. The job happens from mid-July to September, and this is a paid position, although you'll have to figure out your own housing. Email your resume to resumes at southholdfarmandcellar.com. Maybe you want to participate in harvest, but not for a whole summer, but just for a day or so. If that's the case you're going to want to email the wineries that you're interested in to get on their list. On a recent Facebook Live with the Texas Hill Country wineries, there were representatives from Flat Creek, Pedernales, Ron Yates, and Kerrville Hills wineries. And they all said that they'll use volunteer labor for the harvest and that basically you just need to get in touch with them and say that you're interested in their volunteer opportunities. And they'll keep you posted on when the harvest will be. And that way you can come out and help for a day Usually they'll feed you lunch or something like that. It's pretty fun. It's going to be hot, but they'll tell you when to show up, wear closed-toed shoes, wear sunscreen, all that fun stuff. But it's a good time, something fun to do, meet some other people that enjoy wine. And sometimes if you follow uh, these wineries on Facebook or Instagram, you'll also find out about things like bottling opportunities throughout the year. So it's worth it to follow your favorite wineries on social media, you never know what kind of cool opportunities you'll have. We'll add this to the long list of things that are canceled. Sadly, the Fort Worth Food and Wine Fest is canceled. Originally, it was going to be rescheduled from April to October, but now it's canceled altogether for 2020. The good news is that organizers are still going to be able to help out the local Fort Worth culinary community. They've started a fund called the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund, and that was started in March by the Fort Worth Food and Wine Foundation. And so far, it's a $100,000 fund, and it's going to assist the food service professionals in that area that have been impacted by restaurant closures. You can find out more. I'll link to the article in the show notes. There are additional funds being granted each week, but there's already a date for 2021, and that's always a fun event, so we'll look forward to its return next year. A new study co-authored by Dr. Natalia Velikova of Texas Tech's Wine Marketing Research Institute explores consumer behaviors during the pandemic. Now, this is really an academic research paper. It's got a lot of cool graphs and charts and a lot of details about sample size and methodology. The authors were trying to figure out how much wine consumers were drinking and how that changed during the pandemic and what exactly were their motivations. The most significant findings from the study is that the high-frequency wine consumers, which are defined as people who drink at least once a week, I'm not sure that's high-frequency, but that's another discussion entirely, 
they reported that their purchases have shifted online during the crisis, and they spent somewhat more money. They drank a little bit more, but most significantly, they purchased wine online like never before, either through winery websites or an online wine retailer or through a generic retailer. Lest we think we may have a baby boom nine months after the start of the shelter-in-place orders, I'll leave you with this quote from the research paper. Sadly, romantic motivations for wine consumption seem to have decreased during COVID. How sad. If you're listening from Dallas or Fort Worth, and if you thought that the cost of wine was up significantly during the pandemic, well, you were right. The Bureau of Labor Statistics shows a whopping 9.9% increase in alcoholic beverages for April and May in grocery stores. That was the highest increase for any grocery category. The national average for alcoholic beverages was up only 2.2%. That report was in the Dallas Morning News on June the 12th. And finally, the American Association of Wine Economists shared a new graphic on Facebook, and apparently an article is forthcoming. It's about wine preferences in 20 large cities across the country, and five Texas cities are included in the report. The Economist asked survey respondents which of seven popular grape varieties they had purchased within the last three months. This data is from 2018, but it still had some interesting findings. Of the Texas cities surveyed, Cabernet Sauvignon was preferred by Dallas, Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. It was also the most frequent choice across the nation. But what surprised me the most was that the most frequent wine choice in Fort Worth was Merlot. And finally, apparently, the sideways curse is mostly over in Texas. Merlot was purchased more frequently than Pinot Noir in every city surveyed, except Austin. And that concludes the Texas Wine News. My goal for this next segment is to give you an overview of Texas wine in just 10 minutes. The clock starts now. The first vineyard in Texas was planted in 1668 in what is now El Paso by Spanish missionaries. There were a few dozen Texas wineries by 1920, but then the industry was rudely interrupted by prohibition, and only one winery survived. That was Valverde Winery. It was founded in 1883, and it had a pass to make sacramental wine during prohibition. It's still operating today in Del Rio. After prohibition, it took a long time for the wine industry to get going again. Llano Estacado was founded in 1976, and then finally, the modern Texas wine industry took off. Texas is the fifth largest wine-producing state and has around 400 wineries. There are eight AVAs, or American Viticultural Areas, which are distinct growing areas across the state. The Texas High Plains AVA is where about 80% of the grapes in Texas wines are grown. It is in the northwest part of the state, near Lubbock. And the plains are flat, but they are indeed high. This could be considered high-altitude grape growing, in fact. The vineyards sit at about 3,300 to 4,000 feet on well-drained clay loam and sandy loam soil. And there's a big diurnal shift here. That means that there's a big temperature swing from day to night, and the cool nights help preserve the grape's acidity. Many of the grape growers in this area are generational farmers, and they've been farming other crops and have diversified into planting grapes. The biggest challenges in this area are freezing temperatures, usually in the late spring after the grapes have after the grapevines have experienced bud break, but it's possible in the fall too. And hail is also a concern. Irrigation is a must. 
The next AVA is the Texas Hill Country AVA. It's located in the center of the state, north of San Antonio and west of Austin. It's the largest AVA in Texas and the third largest AVA in the country. It covers 9 million acres. The vineyards here are generally smaller in acreage than those in the Texas High Plains. They sit on a variety of soil types, and they include limestone, granite, and clay. There are more disease pressures here than in the High Plains. It's also a bit less likely to see the freezes and hail that the High Plains gets. It's at a lower elevation, and it's got warmer temperatures, so its growing season is ahead by a few weeks compared to the High Plains. Within the Hill Country AVA, you'll find two sub-AVAs that are nestled inside the larger Hill Country AVA. These are the Bell Mountain AVA, which is the oldest AVA in the state, and Fredericksburg AVA. There are about 80 wineries in the Texas Hill Country AVA, and the center of this area is the town of Fredericksburg. It's the second most visited wine region in the nation after Napa Valley. The Texas Davis Mountains AVA is one to watch. It is far out in the desert of West Texas near Marfa. It's the highest elevation AVA in the state, with vineyards over 5,500 feet elevation, and it's also the coolest. It's got the only volcanic soil in the state. The other AVAs in Texas are Escondido Valley, located in far West Texas near Fort Stockton, Texoma, which is along the Texas-Oklahoma border, and finally, Mesilla Valley, which is in the far western tip of Texas near El Paso. This AVA is shared with New Mexico. I should note that there are also many fine wineries that are outside of these AVAs, and their wines are simply labeled Texas. Early on, Texas consumers only wanted the international varieties that they were drinking from California, grapes like Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Merlot. So that's what Texas grape growers planted. Now many of these early plantings are being changed over to more of the grape varieties that thrive in the warmer climates of the Mediterranean. Texas grows a very wide variety of grapes and has over 5,000 acres of bearable grapevines. Its most planted red grapes are Cabernet Sauvignon, Tempranillo, and Merlot, and the most planted white grapes are Blanc de Bois, Viognier, and Muscat Canelli. Production is about 70% red wine and 30% white wine. Hybrid grape varieties like Blanc de Bois and Black Spanish are popular, especially in the southeast part of the state, where humidity makes Pierce disease a persistent problem. Texas Tempranillo has a great reputation, as does Texas Viognier. Morved is coming on strong. Rosé as a style is very popular. Off-dry and sweet wine is popular with some Texas wine drinkers, but the majority of what is produced is dry. Texas also makes some great port-style wine and a bit of sparkling wine, too. In 2013, the Texas High Plains experienced a devastating late spring freeze. Since 2015, Mother Nature has mostly cooperated. 2015 and 17 were especially great, great vintages. The Texas High Plains had a Halloween freeze in 2019, so the 2020 vintage is looking sparse for some growers. Now that Texas growers have focused in on the right grapes for the right vineyards for our Texas climate, Texas wine has gotten so much better. There's an increasing level of winemaking talent in the state, some homegrown and some transplanted from other parts of the world. Some winemakers in Texas utilize cutting-edge technology to maximize extraction. Some adopt a zero-zero non-interventionalist approach. There's not just one right way to do things around here. One issue that is sure to come up again in 2021 when the state legislature reconvenes is how Texas wine is labeled. 
Like 46 other states, Texas wine is only required to have 75% Texas fruit in it. The states with more developed wine industries have all passed more stringent legislation, and this issue came before the legislature in 2017 and 2019 without resolution. Texas's largest winery is St. Genevieve Winery, located in Fort Stockton. They make extremely affordable wine, often sold in large format bottles. The second largest is Llano Estacado in Lubbock. Most of the wine produced in Texas stays in Texas, although there are some wines that are available in wider distribution, many are not. Most wineries do ship outside of the state, though. Texans drank just over 60 million gallons of wine in 2018 and produced just 4.28 million gallons of wine. So we are well short of producing the amount of wine we need to meet the demand of our own state. For now, we will have to keep drinking non-Texas wine. Texas wineries have always been serious about showing guests a great time. But for some wineries, the wine was a bit of an afterthought. For the past 15 years or so, many Texas wineries have gotten as serious about premium wine as they are about hospitality. Wineries are entering well-regarded wine competitions, and Texas wines are winning. Sommeliers are taking an interest in Texas wine, and more wines are entering distribution outside the state. Texas restaurants are coming around, too, finally adding Texas options to wine lists. Wine is a big business in Texas, responsible for over 100,000 jobs and a $13.1 billion economic impact. Texas is an exciting wine region with a pioneering spirit. The wines just keep getting better. I hope you're drinking along with me. Please see the show notes for selected references. One quick footnote about the Hill Country AVA. I said that it was the third largest AVA in the country. I've often seen it reported that it's the second largest AVA in the country, but I did confirm with the Texas Hill Country wineries that it is the third largest AVA in the country. The largest in the country is the Upper Mississippi River Valley AVA with over 19 million acres. And the second largest is the Ohio River Valley AVA at over 16 million acres. And then the Texas Hill Country AVA at 9 million acres. And that is your Texas wine in 10 minutes. In our education segment today, we're talking about the word veraison. If you've seen those lovely pictures of a bunch of grapes that are half green and half a reddish color, you've seen veraison in action. Basically, veraison is the time in a grapevine's life cycle when the grapes begin to ripen and soften and they start to turn colors. All grapes start out as a green bunch, but during veraison, the red grapes start to turn red and the white grapes start to turn to a kind of translucent golden color. And the grapes themselves are starting to develop sweetness and losing acidity as they approach harvest. And on Facebook just recently, I saw that Doug Lewis from Lewis Wines shared a picture of a raisin that was happening in his vineyard at Round Mountain Vineyard in the Hill Country. He said that it was happening about three weeks earlier than normal, but he said bud break happened three weeks early, too. And he quote, his specific quote was that bud break was very early this year. Harvest will be, too. Tempranillo living up to its name. Low yields and no irrigation needed from ample rains have us cruising towards harvest. Hope we get some more freak cold fronts in July, like last year. 
So when he says Tempranillo living up to its name, he's referring to the Spanish name for Tempranillo, Temprano, which means early. So he he went on to comment to someone that the earliest harvest he remembers is July the 10th of 2011. So it remains to be seen when we will be harvesting uh, in the hill country, but it looks like Verizon is happening now. And we'll be watching for pictures of Verizon coming out of the High Plains soon. Moving on to what I am drinking. After dropping my kids off at camp last week, I went to what is, for me, a new winery. And that is Parasos Winery in Burnet. As I said at the top of the show, Parasos is a Greek word found in the Bible in Ephesians 3.20, and it means exceeding abundantly beyond what is expected, imagined, or hoped for. Of course, um, Burnet is in the Texas Hill Country ABA, and I had a great tasting there. I was by myself, but they made me feel perfectly comfortable, and also because we were all social distancing and they had just reopened, they did a lovely job making sure everyone felt safe and was well-spaced, and I certainly appreciated their hospitality. Parasos is all about farming first, and they're dedicated to using only Texas grapes. They have a 16-acre estate vineyard, and that is the source for the wine that I'm drinking today. It's the 2017 Rackers Blend. It's a red wine, and it's a blend of 41% Ionico, 30% Tempranillo, 15% Petite Syrah, 7% Malbec, and 7% Syrah. It is deep, dark, and has stewed red and blue fruit, leather and earth. It's quite concentrated. It's just really lovely. Velvety mouthfeel, nice acidity. It's going to be really good with my dinner here in a little bit. I think it's quite food-friendly. The tannins are really fine. It's got a nice long finish. And I picked it up, as I said, in the tasting room for $45. It was a very nice visit, and I look forward to going back when I can stay longer and maybe take a tour. That concludes our second podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe in your podcast app so that you won't miss an episode. And if you go to our website, you can also subscribe to our newsletter. And if you do, I'll send you a fun guide that includes my top 10 Texas wine wins during quarantine. It'll just get you started on what are some fun wineries and wines to explore, whether you're new to Texas wine or if you've been drinking Texas wines for a long time. The website also tells you how to connect with me on social media. I'm at Texas Wine Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And the show notes are on the website, too. That's where you'll find links to all the wineries, the stories, and all the other resources that I talked about. I also have a new map of the Texas AVAs that I'm happy to uh, email you if you'd like your own PDF copy. Just send me an email, and I'll send that out to you. Again, the website is www.thisistexaswine.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Shelley Wilfong. Cheers, y'all.